Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of the Red Light Hockey Podcast. I am here, Liam, your regular old crew. We got Paul. Owen's out sick, but we got a special guest host. We got Anthony here with us. Uh, he's a San Jose native from Los Angeles. He plays hockey on the weekends. He's a founder of Athlete Strategies. It's a sports PR company. It launched in 2019. He works with companies, athletes, and individuals in the sports industry. So how are we doing, everybody? And also, also Anthony, welcome to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you here. We're going to get some uh, input on you on what, what the game's like more on the West Coast, because I don't think we really talked to much people out West. Um, so we're, we're excited to have you on here. We're going to ask some questions. We might bully your Sharks a little bit. I know you are a Sharks fan, so uh, don't feel bad. <laughs> we we, we got we, we to be honest and we can't be biased. So I'll defend not, the best I can. <laughs> I'm not going to go easy on you. Uh, Nor right. will I. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, this week's episode, we are going to do the power rankings of the West. We did do the power rankings on the French episode last week, but obviously this is the English episode, so our French listeners don't listen to this one. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that being said, let's jump right into it. Uh, let's start off by doing the power rankings for the new Western division. Uh, see what we think, how we think everybody's going to line up. So we'll start off with Anthony first. We're going to go from worst to best. Who do we see finishing last in the West. Oh, oh, you guys are brutal because I know what you want me to say. I know you want me to say San Jose, but I'm not. No, I actually don't. I don't. I'm, I'm assuming it's one team that's going to be last place. And I think we're all going to agree on it. And I'm not expecting it to be San Jose. I'm not that much of a, there was an, there there was one, there was one, there was one team that was worse in the West than San Jose. Right. But when I look at Anaheim and I look at Los Angeles, it's a bit of a toss up for me. Um, I see a lot of inconsistencies, but there's an influx of new talent in Los Angeles uh, that's young. That makes me really curious to see what their ceiling might be for this season. And for that alone, I'll say Anaheim is going to bottom out. I would disagree with you, but we'll see what Paul says first and then I'll give my breakdown, too. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> I think the Sharks are going to plummet this year. Every, everybody's getting older. Uh, it's, there's a lot of money there, and it's, it can't go around for everybody. I just I, And Jones was terrible last year. They got Dubnik, who wasn't the best or what he normally is, so I think San Jose is going to be last. I have Los Angeles last, and my reason for picking Los Angeles last is, yes, they do have a lot of young talent up and coming. They are going to be deadly. It's a shortened season. There's going to be a lot of back-to-back games. These guys aren't going to be able – like a lot of these guys are coming from college because they have a lot of American players coming. Um, They usually play one or two games a week. They play a 30-game schedule versus a longer schedule, whereas the OHL guys, they still do play a longer schedule. But I don't think they're going to be able to grind out this kind of season, especially like younger guys – aren't used to playing that western style of gritty hockey that's like you know the typical western hockey i don't think they're going to be that good yet i think in two to three years they're going to be a dominant force in the west again right yet i don't see los angeles being the dominant team out west and that's my reason for picking los angeles to finish last again this year in the west 
Um, and also Quick's getting old. They don't really have that much depth in goaltending. And on defense, they don't have very much good defense. And good defense creates good offense because you can have all the best superstar player forwards, but without defensemen to get out of your zone, your forwards are just going to be skating around like, I don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. that, that's my reasoning for picking Los Angeles in last place. Um, so we're in agreements that California is going to finish last. Yes. A California team, at least. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not the state, but a California <laughs> team will finish last. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, and then after that. But Paul, so in, the Sharks aren't going to finish last. Do we want to I dive just... right into it? <laughs> no, no, we're going to wait. We'll oh, do our power rounds right. first. All right. I'll hold it I on. just have a I'll bad feeling. On. I'm sorry. I, I'm just okay. being honest. <laughs> I'm going to expose some hard facts about the Sharks. But um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hold them off. All right, let's keep going through the West then. So who do we have in seventh in the West? Let's go with uh, Paul first. Um, I have Anaheim because, well... They're young, and I don't. It it takes time to for young players to gel with the old that they have, or the veteran players, not necessarily old, but they seem to be doing good at it. It's just it will come along eventually. Their goaltending obviously is solid with Gibson, but who are you can have as backup. Yeah, I I'll see what Anthony says, but I agree. You're going to have Anaheim last. All right, then the Kings seventh. I'm going to flip-flop <laughs> on those. Uh, okay, the yeah. Kings might surprise me and go up, but uh, yeah, I have Anaheim and L.A. flip-flopping for last. Okay. You, and yeah, then – oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'll put Anaheim seventh as well. Um, yeah, I don't see them doing very good. It's meh. They're also – just same boat as Los Angeles – I think they do have a little bit more talent than LA and veteran players. They have Henrik who can still play. They have Getzlav who can still play. And they have Raquel who's a bit older in the league. They have um, Silverberg who's older in the league. They have Gibson. And then they have better defensemen too. So I think that Anaheim, I don't see them doing very good. But also, they're a team that I feel like they could surprise you. They could come out of nowhere and be a playoff team if they get hot, because they do have a lot of these players who like, you know, they're like, ah, we're going to go for our last kick at the can. Yeah. So, yes, they're not, I don't expect them to do well, but also don't count them out. Because they do do have a lot of talent that once were a lot of superstar players that could still turn it up, especially, especially on the fact that it's a shortened season. So in reverse, those as to like the younger guys won't be able to handle it that well, because there'll be a lot of condensed games. These guys have done it before. They did it back in 2013. They know what they expect going into this. So I'm not, I'm saying that's why I expect them to finish in seventh, but also don't count them out. They could surprise a lot of people if they come out of the gate hot. I trust so- in the Anaheim Ducks <laughs> system right now with what they have and what they're building, but just right now at this very moment, I yeah, I don't know. Exactly. So I guess we're in agreement on that. Uh now, were you going to stay there, Anthony, before I cut you off, rudely? No. This all sounds good. And then, uh, spoiler alert, my next team is, again, not the Sharks. It's Arizona. Oh, wow. wow. I, I don't know. Explain. 
this has more to do with the Sharks than it does with Arizona. Okay. So it's not a slight on the Coyotes by any shot. I think that the Sharks are a better team than people realize. And the amount of hardships that they went through last year, I don't see um, duplicating this upcoming season. Okay. Uh, okay. I see what Paul has to say, then I'll kind of put something in there. Um, I have LA next. Okay. I just, uh, yeah, yeah, just, mm. I think the three California teams are, aren't going to do good, and LA's probably the best of the three right now. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> uh, huh. I'm sorry. I, I'm normally not this mean. I promise. <laughs> I, I have Arizona in six as well. Um, I, they did lose a big piece at Hall. They did trade up a lot of assets to get Hall. They don't have any first-round picks coming because of their scandals. They have a controversy in GM, and now they have problems with money. And then if you're not going to get paid, players aren't going to be motivated to pay well because who works for free? Um, so I see the Oats not having a lot of money. I could actually see them drop into last place, depending depending on like how poorly they end up being. I don't have very much confidence in, in the Coyotes. I just don't think they'll be as bad as Los Angeles and Anaheim. So I'm actually going to agree with Anthony on this one and put Arizona in sixth. Um, yeah, I just don't see them doing very good. The Desert Dogs are a fun time. Uh, I've been a long-time Jomerson fan. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Uh, I'm hoping that it's more than less because his game when it's at the top is such a pleasure to watch. Uh, just reminiscing way back on the Chicago years, he was such a valued piece of the team that won the cup there. Uh, Soderberg, he's been around and around and around and around. And to see him come up almost on 20 goals last season was a fun time. Uh, having Kessel there, of course, is going to put some fans in the seats if we get to that point. Hopefully, knock on wood. I mean, uh, I did hear Anaheim's looking at maybe doing outdoor games all year. I don't know how that's going to work in California. Yeah. It baffles me. Uh, Actually, it would be a Cal- pleasure to be able to go there and watch. <laughs> but I don't know how so it happens. Explain that. Like in, in the winter, how cold does it get usually in? Oh. I mean, let's, we let's had say February. a week. <laughs> well, daytime and nighttime are drastically different when we get into our one week of cold spells. Okay. <laughs> um, we dipped into the 40s uh, at nighttime for about four days earlier this month and okay. it hasn't gone anywhere near that since i mean for we're having Canadian- days in the 70s <laughs> okay. so for our canadian listeners 40 would be four degrees and 70 would be 21 degrees that's for our canadian listeners because you know we are oh, okay. canadian american uh wow way to make wow way to make us jealous <laughs> No, it's nice. I mean, (laughs) I live right across the hill from Beverly Hills and Hollywood, and people don't spend all that money to live in those big old mansions over there for nothing. But (laughs) those two things, it doesn't go with hockey necessarily, unless you have a nice big indoor facility. So to be able to have the infrastructure down underneath the ice to support a full season is going to be a massive undertaking that I hope comes uh, true. Um, we'll see what the energy department has to say about it, but. (laughs) 
Oh, you know, that's just above my pay grade. I'm just, I just talk about things I read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so where were we? Fifth place. Who do we have in fifth? Let's go Paul first. Um, in fifth, I have probably Arizona because just like you said, if they're not getting paid, they're not getting, they're not going to want to play. And I find it very ironic that they're having trouble not having money, but having the most cap in the league right now. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of irony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Anthony, who do you have in, in the fifth? This is where I slot in the Sharks. Uh, I do have questions on their back end, whether or not they're going to be able to do the things that I see the potential of them <laughs> being able to accomplish. Uh, they're not on Vegas's level. St. Louis is a team that took the West last year. Colorado is a dynamo waiting to happen. And Dallas is your reigning Western Conference champion in the playoffs. So I feel it's appropriate to put all of those teams above the Sharks at this juncture. I have Dallas in fifth. Wow. A bit of controversy, okay. I know. I know. Uh, the reason I have Dallas in fifth is because they have traditionally gone off to slow starts. Short season. Slow start. Mm. That's my reason for Dallas there. Uh, they are an older team. Which means that they're, you know, they're getting slower, and the teams above that are a lot faster. San Jose does still have some young guns, some young whippersnappers that could that can really whip it around. They have a lot of riverboat gambling style defensemen. They have Burns and Carlson um, that can move the puck very well. They have Vlasic who can play on good defense in San Jose. So it's not a slot against Dallas. It's more like I don't see Dallas getting off to a hot start because they never seem to be able to do so. Um, and with the shortened season. If, the, if a team doesn't get to off to a hot start, they're done for. So that's why I, I don't see Dallas. I, I see Dallas. They're going to start off slow and then try to make it up and then might finish like fifth. So that's, well, that's my reason for Dallas's placement. I know. Shoot me, Stars fans. Shoot me. I'm sorry. You probably don't have guns too because you're Texas. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's my reasoning for having Dallas in fifth. You may want to edit that part out. I don't care. <laughs> what do you think about their new jerseys? The white ones. Going all white. Do you They're love jerseys. It? They are jerseys. They are jerseys. <laughs> yeah. They are jerseys. Um, I can't remember an all white team. I don't know. It looks like it looks like the bad guy team from a Disney movie. I love it. I love that concept. <laughs> I need somebody to uh, just admire in their badassery and yeah, like, Dallas I, could be it you know I like uh, it. it it looks like to me it looks like a team like the, the Ducks the Anaheim Mighty, or the Mighty Ducks would have played in like in a Disney movie <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> like with like evil coach or something yeah no I love it you know Dallas yeah. they haven't had a look that I've really gravitated towards since the late 90s with Hatcher and Belfour and Madonna. I think that when they were in their heyday, they were just monsters and the black was menacing. The gold across was very distinguished. And you knew when Dallas came into the building, they had the look that they were going to tear something up. And I'm hoping that this jersey kind of brings an attitude to the team that 
is similar to that where they might come out and just really be any uh in the faces of everyone that they get up against so uh cory perry this is your calling man it's your time <laughs> yeah he's a worm <laughs> uh who do we got in fourth i'm gonna go first this time i've got st louis in fourth um they're a good team they did win the cup two years ago can't forget that actually they're not a good team they're a great team they're just not as good as the teams that i have above them at this point in my actually correction sorry i have either st louis or san jose in fourth they're like they're both good teams. I have them at the same level. I don't. I could see them flipping, flopping between fourth and third all year. All year. Go on. <laughs> so, sharks, Anthony's now intrigued. The Sharks remind me a lot of St. Louis does because St. Louis for all these years had a hard time getting over that hump. They're known as the choking team out of the Central for all for a long time. And then they finally got over the hump and won the cup. The Sharks remind me of that team. They have a lot to prove. And they have a lot of players that have been there forever that have a lot to prove. Unfortunately, Thornton's gone now. um, Which is sad for them. But I'm hoping... Yeah, so I I have fourth and third together tied close. San Jose and St. Louis teeter-tottering. I know that's two, two teams in classing together, but... They're very comparable, I think. Couture, I am comparable to O'Reilly. I got Hurdle comparable to Braden Shen, in my in my opinion. Just yeah, so I I can see either of the teams being fourth and third, respectively, depending on how the season goes. And I San Jose has been a very dominant team for a long time, and I think last year was just a fluke. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I know I said I was going to bully your sharks, whatever. <sighs> but I'm being, I have to be honest. And that's what I think the sharks are going to do. I, I don't think, and they do, and they have been drafting pretty good too. You know, the way that this conversation started off, I thought that both of you were going to put the sharks in seventh <laughs> or eighth. And I was like, man, we're going to have to have a hard talk here. But uh, that's encouraging. <laughs> I think I might have to also slot St. Louis in fourth. One of the reasons I think that contributed to their playoff failure this last season is St. Louis is a really heavy grinding team. And over the course of a traditional playoff format following a long season, that bruising style really wears on you and takes away your legs and you're just done for. Uh, When the Sharks ran into them two seasons ago now, that was the case i mean it was brutal also combined with the injuries and some of the cheap shots but we won't get into that they, they, they play they play like the 2011 bruins two years oh. ago. Oof. uh i would not put the blues in that category i have high revere for that bruins team it was something special but i see where you're yeah. coming from but Watch your mouth uh, liam now, really with the Blues, I think it comes down to the schedule and, and how frequent the teams are playing because if you're able to capitalize on some teams being tired from the back-to-back-to-back to back to back constant drag and drain of playing, then the Blues style would be extremely effective. Um, 
And maybe that would catapult them over a team like Dallas, Colorado, or even may I say Vegas. But I don't see the talent necessarily that stands out to give you uh, an instant goal when you really need it. I know there's people on the team that you'd probably point to otherwise, like Tarasenko or maybe even a clutch guy like Perron. Schwartz. But who? Schwartz. Schwartz. He is growing. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Schwartz. All right. Sorry for the disrespect there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I just like some of the other teams more. So I think this is where I also slot St. Louis. Also, uh, Bennington is a wild card for me. I know it's a, it's a cup win. Yes. He's young. He's 93, you know, born the 93. But uh, that's a wild card for me. You, you know what he reminds Thank me you. of? He reminds me of Matt Murray. That's the easy yes. narrative. Yeah, totally. Like, Matt Murray was – he won the cup. He took Fleury's job. But now look at him. Where is he now? He's an Ottawa senator. <laughs> Life comes at you fast, man, I'll tell you. Yeah, so I, I feel like he's comparable to, to Matt Murray. But all but the difference is, I think, too, St. Louis kind of gave him a prove-it-to-me deal. So he has two years to like kind of prove it to them that he's worth big money. So this is a contract year, I think, or is it next year the contract year? Either way, um, he I, – I don't know how Binghamton's going to – One-year deal. Yeah. He's not like he's good, but he's not like the perfect superstar goalie. He's not like Carey Price. He's not Tuka Rask. He's not Carter Hart. He's, Is he the starter by the end of the season in St. Louis? Yeah. Or do they pick somebody up? Because you have Gillies who played ten games last year behind him, and then two other guys on the roster with next yeah, to no cause, experience because they, they traded Allen to Montreal. Mm-hmm. Which I think was a smart move because I've not been a playoff believer in Allen. I mean, as a Habs fan, I I hope these guys don't all come after me. I'm I'm getting a little (laughs) nasty. (laughs) As a a Habs fan, fan, I love that trade. I love that trade. Um, I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, but the reason I like that trade a lot is it gives Price rest because he can start, he can win games. I don't want him mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I don't want him playing in the playoffs. That's Carey Price's job. Mm-hmm. But he can he can win games, which I think would be great for Price. So Price won't have to play a full season. And yeah, for your Habs, all you have to do is get into the playoffs and let Carey do the rest. I mean, that's a exactly. pretty <laughs> nice formula to have. So right. if you can, if you and especially if you have arrested, if you have arrested Carey going to the playoffs, and oh, we've absolutely. all experienced that this year. Look how they did with with arrested Carey. And a mediocre team. Now they have a good team, and with Allen, they'll have a rested carry. Watch out for the Habs; mm-hmm. they're coming for you. And the fact that the that the Canadian division, their playoffs will be playing against the Western teams. If your Sharks make the playoffs, watch out for my Habs. <laughs> I don't think the Sharks are going to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> I'm I'm having Pickers remorse right now because it just dawned on me as you were discussing the Bruins for a quick second that Tory Krug is now also on St. Louis. And I'm thinking yeah. about that defense between Falk and Bomeister and Krug and Pareko. Bomeister's not there anymore. That is right. Because of his heart attack. And, yeah. And also oh goodness, Peter Andrews. Right. And Peter Angel is gone. 
But they That's picked a... up Scandella, Gunnarsson. They still have Vincent Dunn to resign, who's very underrated. So Scandella, he played Montreal for a couple games. Yep. He's not that good of a defenseman. No, but he he did he tries. Do decent in Montreal. He did a lot better than he did in Buffalo because in he Buffalo did. he just didn't care. Also, he's from Montreal. Yeah. But like he plays very I don't know how to explain it. He plays very he tries to be offensive, but he's better defensive and he's not a very good skater, which makes That's him not brutal. <laughs> Nice I guy. Want to talk I about met Scandella him. here. This is a yeah. guy that got a four-year deal. Yeah, yeah. they gave like, him a four-year deal, three point two seven five. So, like, I mean. like he's not—he's not terrible, but he's not great either. Yeah, he's not winning the Norris anytime soon. No, Krug—he's a great offensive defenseman, but he's a riverboat gambler. He needs a, de- a defensive defenseman to play with him. Is Pareko that guy? Does he play? Does he play with Pareko? Because uh, Falk's also a riverboat gambler. Like, that's, that's also an issue, I think. Playing with Robert Bertuzzo. Bertuzzo's the right-handed. So is Falk. Yeah. That's – Scandella's a left. Uh, Scandella, Scandella's defensive is better defensive defenseman, too. Like, they have – I don't see the pairings playing well together type thing. They have too many riverboat gambling defensemen, in my opinion. But also, I, I – I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I, I like the way Bruins build defensemen. I like those big two-way gritty guys that the Bruins traditionally always get, like the McAvoy's and the Cheras. And the, that's my style. That's my favorite style of defenseman. I know yeah. as a Habs fan. And the 5'9", 186 pounds of pure strength <laughs> Tory Cruz, you know, huge muscle <laughs> just drawn in your face. Krug's a game changer. The guy's got heart, and I oh, like yeah. what he's going to be bringing to the Blues. There, he plays a lot bigger than he actually is, and yeah, uh, you know, if you get forty assists as a defenseman, you've got something to offer to a team. But also, and, forty assists, you're playing with Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron, right? So that's true. But who it's not do like the Blues have? Louis is uh, at loss of any talent up front either even if it's not the names like that tarasenko i think has something to prove to people this year and make people remember that he was an mvp candidate at one point not too yeah. long ago I, i'm I'm still st- standing firm with my pick i'm not going to go back and change my pick mm-hmm. um but yeah who do we have in third i'm not going to see mine because it's still like i said i didn't do fourth in. oh yeah who do you have in fourth oh this is gonna break my heart why did i even mention it Damn it. I have Vegas in fourth. Wow. Oh, Why? yeah. I. They traded Nate Schmidt, who is a heart and soul guy and a great player for them. There's talk of them trading either Marsha Show or Pacioretty, which is – that will just destroy the team even more. I mean, Pacioretty's meh. Yeah, but still, like these in the locker room, they really liked. Same with Schmidt. Schmidt was loved there. And I think the goaltending tandem is going to cause problems in the room. Like they're never going to know who they start unless they trade one. And then if they trade one, then they're even worse. I mean, that just speaks about their coaching. Yeah, they never should have fired Gerard Gallant. I mean, uh... okay, I'm going to. Jump in here again. And that's the Sharks, the Sharks guy. What do you think of Peter DeBoer? I don't like him. I'm not a fan of him. 
No. What's your What's your thoughts on him uh, as the Sharks fan? So you know him probably the best out of all of us. Anthony, In small you... batches, Pete can be frustrating because seeing the big picture of what he's trying to install can be a little bit difficult to understand. I think that his firing uh, was a move where, you know, outside of the locker room, it's hard to say whether or not he had lost control of the locker room or not and what the real motivation for the firing was, whether if it was just because you needed somebody to, you know, take the chop off or, or whatever it was. But I'm a fan is, is the point here that I'm trying to get at. He is a guy where if you watch him consistently, yes, he changes his lineup at a rate that makes you scratch your head a bit. But he instills a defensive system that works. And when you go back and watch what the Sharks were able to accomplish in their run to the finals, the mastery that they put on display against St. Louis, particularly on the penalty kill, makes you go, yeah, this is a guy that knows how to win. Okay. Um. The defensive system, I mean, it's it's really beautiful to watch when it's on full display. And if you have a guy like Mark Stone, who you can say is Vegas's version of Logan Couture, for better or worse, right? Dif- different attitude, but uh, for what you're bringing to the table as a two-way forward, when you have that in place there and then the other pieces – Vegas is kind of just a better version of San Jose in, in a lot of ways. And all these offseason moves are very interesting, but I think that DeBoer is the guy that's going to continue to take them deep into the postseason. Okay. He's also a steady Eddie guy where he's not going to say the wrong thing in media, and that's valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't think he's – Nearly as good as coaches. I don't think he's like in the same caliber as uh, as a Tortorella or a, or a Claude Julien. Are many people? No, I mean, in no. my opinion, in my opinion, no. Tortorella is probably one of the best coaches in the NHL. Yes. All right, but if you're looking for a guy who still is going to be able to produce wins, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Boers, but that just I don't know. I don't like his whole treatment to Fleury. Um, I don't like the whole mm. goaltending. T- I don't like the way he's trying to. Uh, there's certain things I don't like how he's how he's handling it. But also, there's a reason why he's a coach in the NHL making millions of dollars. I'm just some <laughs> some dude on a podcast. So at the end of the day, there's a reason why he does what he does, and it probably makes sense to him. But I'm still gonna complain about it because that's my right as a free person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Um, Here we go. Here we go. Look, but no, Vegas yeah. just went to the conference finals. That's true. That's true. Like I said, yeah, he's, he's not bad up in five. But I mean, that's also he, were overtime games. He's bringing his San Jose choking habits to Vegas. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, that was a low one. That was a low so, one. Yeah, we'll, I we'll mean, get into that later. Let's just go through the <laughs> rankings and then I'll get it off my chest. Maybe. <laughs> hear me out. Maybe San Jose doesn't actually choke. Maybe it was the coaching the issue in San Jose before. 
Mm, hard to say that when you had Daryl I mean, Sutter there. Ron Wilson that, is a pretty nice coach as well. That's true. That's true. DeBoer, I mean, he took the, uh, I was about to say Vegas again. He took the, uh, the Devils into that cup against the Kings how many moons ago? Feels like that's yesterday. True. That's true. So, but the coaching. We'll get into it. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you okay. why. <laughs> who, who do you guys have in third? Uh, let's go to um, Anthony first. I already have my pick, so it doesn't matter for me. Uh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, Dallas. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. Just go, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Oh, God. This is going to get me more backlash than that. I'm going to pick Colorado. What? Yeah. Impossible. I just, I, there's reasons that I can't get into just yet for, for me picking Colorado. I understand. Louis, I mean, do you have St. Louis and Dallas in first? Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, I guess we'll go to second. Anthony first. Oh, you put me on the spot once again. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, this is where I put Vegas. Okay. Just talked a good deal about them <laughs> and sell. So I think they're going to slot in nicely if they follow through on their plan even with I mean, the loss of talent that they've had which may cost them but, but uh, lots of talent but they're also gaining talent they're, they have they have cody glass coming in cody glass is going to be a dominant player i think i don't think he's going to be like the next or uh, like superstar but i think he's going to be a really good player if that makes sense sean couturier yeah, exactly. Exactly what I was thinking. Like a Sean Couturier <laughs> type. Uh, yeah, I have. I also have Vegas in second. Um, they have a lot of really good talent. I think they're going to be second in the regular season, and then with their coach, I don't see them going far in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I I think they have to because their cap trouble is going to catch up to them sooner than later. So they better have an all in approach this season and next, really. I mean, yes, their cap trouble might catch up to them, but also I can see them getting out of the cap issues. Like if they're going to trade Pacioretty, uh, I he have been hearing rumors that he might be get tra- traded to Florida because they don't want to resign Mike Hoffman. So that'll happen, whatever. And then after that, if they do, if they do Marshall, so I don't know where he's going to go. But these are the guys who this. are the core of the team, though. But they're all start shaking things up like that. But also they're getting older. And they have a lot of young talent that can step up and take that take those spots. Risky, risky. I hate even saying this, but the top rumor I've heard for Patriotti is Boston. I don't. I I, I keep hearing Florida. Um, that's from all the Canadian, the French Canadian media that I've been watching. Yeah. Um, I I just keep hearing Boston, and I'm just like, please no, please, can we just not have that, please? If if he goes to Boston, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I watched in Montreal for years. Montreal won that trade to get rid of Patriotti. I, I they, they won that trade 100. percent I. What's wrong with the 30 goal score? He's not bad. He's just not consistent. I'm watching him in Montreal. My whole like I'm his whole time in Montreal. He's not like 
he'll show up, he'll score like 20 goals in a month, and then he'll be like gone for like most of the season, and then pot in like 10 more goals at a random point. Like he's not he's not showing up every night, and then he wasn't very good in the playoffs in Montreal. That's my time watching playing in Montreal. I think Suzuki is going to be a far better player. They got Romanov for Pacioretty. Those are two players that are going to be dominant forces. Um, they also they also got Jordan Wheel in that trade, who then eventually became Philip Deneau. So Deneau, Suzuki, and Romanov are all parts of that Pacioretty thing. Indirectly. So I think I think Montreal won that trade just because of who they got for that, and they also got Tatar. Who they now well, dislike? When, when Montreal well, no, wins we, the we, Cup we this like year, you get to look back on this and say, "See, I told you so." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win the cup. I'm just saying that their players. You're right. The Canadians won't win the cup. Carey Price not... will win the cup. You're right. <laughs> I don't. No, I I don't think the Habs are going to win the cup this year. Um, One name, large font, Carrie Price. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I want Price to win the cup. Um, and you know what? Maybe Montreal actually do good if there's no fans in the in the arena. It might actually be good for Montreal because Montreal fans are kind of harsh. Oh, ruthless. ruthless. I mean, I, I am a Montreal fan. I've seen games where like they'll boo the goalie just for letting in two goals. Like, what other team do you, do you see booing their own goalie other than Toronto or Montreal? And that's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Look at Patrick yeah. Roy. He got, he got booed out of Montreal, literally. <laughs> it yeah. baffles me that that's a thing. We expect greatness every night. There's yeah. certain spots in the NHL where it's just harder. The Montreal goaltending, if you're in that oh, position, Montreal it's incredibly peri- hard. Montreal period. Well, yeah, but a Toronto starting first-line center, that position is extremely hard to to handle. Well, for our American listeners. That, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toronto, Toronto defenseman, Dion Phaneuf. Yeah, it's just mm. there are certain things. A Boston Bruins defenseman. If you're not Bobby Orr, then you're garbage. Yeah, well, in Montreal, Montreal forward. If you're not French-Canadian putting in 50 goals a year, you're garbage. Yeah. Especially, especially if you're French. If you're French in Montreal, you're supposed to, you're, you have to be like a 100-point guy. Because like Drouin, he's not a bad player. I, I love him. Montreal media is extremely hard on him. Like he's, he puts in 65 points a year, but they're, they keep trying to compare him to Maurice Richard. Like he's not Morris Richard. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's he's just Jonathan Dwayne. You know he's not that good. Same thing with Daniel. Like he's they keep trying to c- compare him to like Andre Shaw. He's not Andre <laughs> Shaw. He's Philip Daniel. He's a really good two way defenseman, but he's not the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna hear it when you make up those mistakes. Any any little mistake too, you're on a microscope. I don't know how it's- bad the media is in California. So no. actually, I was going to ask you that later on, but we'll, we can ask it right now too, since we're sure. talking about it. Well, what it's funny because there is no position like that in California, like where you're under that scope. Like you are the goalie of the Sharks, therefore you are supposed to be held to a standard 
similar to goaltender of the Canadians or first line center of Toronto, as you alluded to. Uh, we don't have that. And so it's one of the things I appreciate about Canadian hockey is the rich heritage, just the longstanding tradition and all the names that have come through. It's allowed for that to develop. And that's not to say that the Kings haven't had their players come through. I mean, this is Robitaille, Blake, Quick has had a couple cups under his belt. So um, Jaguar, right? Yeah, Gretzky, Robitaille, yeah. if I said. Uh, and then uh, Jiggy almost single-handedly won that cup for uh, for Anaheim way back in the day. And the Sharks, um, the ones that I can speak to most directly, we never revere a certain position because it's always been um, a complete cast and team effort. So without Marlowe there for a stretch or without Joe there for a stretch, it wasn't like there was something missing at a certain position. It was just that that face wasn't there. So that was the weird thing to deal with. Um, not having Joe there is going to be easier than not I think this season following the lack of success last year um, but not having Pavelski this last season I think was the the real weird one where you go that was awkward it, it, well <laughs> the lack of goals that we put up made it very apparent but he's, um, he's one of those guys that's just good at everything he touches like he, he plays the guitar he's actually good looking He's good at hockey. That hand-eye I mean, coordination is something yeah. special. He's just he's, – he's like one of those guys. He's just like – he's a Greek god, for mm-hmm. lack of better terms. Yeah. But we, we've we never uh, really revered a particular position, at least in anyone who I've spoken with. We've had Vlasic there and fortunate to have him as a mainstay for a long time. But if he were to get traded tomorrow, it wouldn't be like, wow, we don't have a number one defenseman we'll just slide someone else there. We have Burns. And even We're when here. Burns goes to Seattle, when they pick him the expansion draft to put seats, uh, to sell seats. Yeah, that's right. They're going to pick Burns. Or are they going to pick Carlson? Sharks They're taking Hurdle. No, the Sharks are going to protect <laughs> him. I, I can actually see them taking Carlson over Burns. If I was the a Sharks, Sharks want- are the Sharks aren't going to expose Carlson. They're no. going to put Burns out because he's he's so old. I'd rather get rid of the Carlson contract if I was a GM. I think there's too much pride in the Carlson thing, and they don't want to let it that one go I'll, yet. Also, that's probably why I'm not a GM in the NHL. I'm just a guy on a podcast, as I've said many <laughs> times before. <laughs> um, but also, we just play GM mode on the game. Yeah. There last but not last but not least, who do we have in first? Let's go Paul first. I have St. Louis in first, so that means Dallas would be my second. But why? I have – okay, this is the reason why I have Colorado in third. I think Dallas finally got a smell of something good, and they don't want to let that up. All the guys are now motivated more so than they have been previously, and they just – I think they're just a team that wants to win – at any cost at this point now they just they were so close and now they just want it more i have st louis because i think krug and um perinko will be a dominant defensive pairing perinko can finally show off his defensive aspects a lot more 
while crew can go out and get as many points as he wants. Um, I just, I'm unsure of Bennington. If I was a little more sure of him, it'd be a lot easier, but it's actually close to Dallas, maybe almost being first because I don't trust Bennington as much. Okay. That's fair. I have, I have Colorado first. I mean, they have one of the best lines in the NHL. It's not the best line in the NHL with Rantanen, with Rantanen, McKinnon, and um, Landis Cog. I know, I know it's like I, I have them almost. It's a toss up to me between the the Bruins first line as the dominance. I almost like the Colorado first line more because of McKinnon. He's a lot faster than Bergeron. No, no offense to, to yeah. the Bruins. Actually, whatever. Who's guys with the Bruins? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, McKinnon's McKinnon is a better player than Bergeron, and and the line is always driven by the center. Um. So with that being said, that's why I have that line. You know, they're going to dominate as they always do. But now they have depth. They have Kadri and Burakovsky who prove they can play. They have other players as well who can who can play depth. They have the secondary scoring and the, tert- and the tertiary scoring. Um, my only real question in and then on defense too. They have Kale McCarr. They have Sean, They have Gerard. They have uh, Bowen Byron, who's going to be coming up after the World Juniors. They have other a lot of other good defensemen coming up. They're a really good team defensively. I have a lot of faith in Colorado. My only true question about Colorado is goaltending. And it's not really that big of a question. I mean, Frank Hughes is good, and so is Grubauer. They both proved that last year. They both proved they can win. And then in the playoffs, it's just unfortunate that both of their starting goalies got hurt last playoffs, which ultimately made them lose to lose to Dallas. I think if both goaltenders wouldn't have got hurt last playoffs, they might have actually won the cup. That's my take on that. I, I know, I know it's, it's a wild one, but that's, that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> um, that's my breakdown for why I have Colorado in first in the West. Uh, I'll get your take on that, Anthony, if you don't mind. I love Colorado in first. I love a 28-year-old Grubauer. I pay attention to ages. I think that 27 is the prime age for anyone in any sport. Uh, it's the perfect combination of being wise enough and knowing how to slow down the game mixed with being at your physical prime. Uh, when a team tends to have a good deal of guys around 27, 28 years old that are impact players, it helps. I know hockey is a bit of a younger game now where you're able to get away with most of your core being around 24, 25. But for mainstays like goaltender, uh, I think it's important to have somebody under the age of 30 getting it done there and Grubauer fits that bill. Um, I agree with you that if Grubauer and um, Frank Hughes, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> did I sneeze? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if they were there, uh, they probably are going to the cup last year. And here's a question for you there's a complete love fest for McKinnon. If he plays on a Canadian team, how big of a celebrity is he? Even more so. I think he's scrutinized scrutinized a lot more if he plays on Canadian team. No, but is his face? No, he, he he's oh, hundred percent. He, he'd be out there a lot more. He'd be everywhere, but his which, play would be a lot more scrutinized and which criticized. Team? Which team? 
Which Canadian team? Because so that that'll make a big difference. So if he if he's in Vancouver, he's a hero. Yeah. He's a he he's in Edmonton. They're gonna try to compare him to Gretzky. So I don't know how good that's gonna go for him. But you know, McDavid actually can handle that, whatever. Calgary, they're gonna say he's not gritty enough because he's not Landon McDonald. Uh, Montreal, they, 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 they love him because he's from the East Coast. So he's like an adopted Quebecer and he speaks French. So Montreal, they'll love him. They'll, they'll say he's a hero of Montreal. He's the savior of the team as long as he can win them something. Um, I, think he, I think he'd be too good to be on Winnipeg because they like underrated guys. No, no. I, he, he, he compares to Mark Shifley. Well, well, yeah, but Mark Shifley is still highly underrated. I don't think so. I mean, I, I guess I live in Manitoba, so I, I hear more about him. But Shifley, Shifley's everywhere. They love him here. They yeah, well, love yeah, but... they love Shifley. Yes, but around the league, he's still very underrated. Just like yeah. a lot of the players there. Because nobody nobody likes to talk about Winnipeg. Winnipeg's we're north. Manitoba's exactly. North, he would be too good cold. for them. He's a new fancy toy that is like, oh, we need <sighs> to we need to rub you and make you thirty. Right, Toronto. The only, the only team I could see him actually not not doing well in is Toronto. Yeah. Because Toronto's too... Right. Toronto's Tor- aggressive. Toronto media is insane. Toronto media <laughs> are just insane for no reason. Like, last year is they there... were mad. They were, cli- they were crying bloody murder because, I don't know, what did Matthews not do last year? Oh, they, um, he didn't, they didn't make him the captain. Yeah. So, so they're mad at Tavares. So they're already saying Matthew's going to leave Toronto in five years because he signed that five-year contract. In five years. Yeah, yeah I'm serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so far in the future. There's so Toronto many players and injuries. They're going to come and go. That's silly. Do you think that there's a lack of appreciation for the players? I don't think it's a lack of appreciation. I think it's it's because Canada – like. A lot of our teams, especially like the original six teams like Montreal and Toronto, have won so much in their history. They just expect that. I, I'm going to come from a Montreal point of view because I'm a Montreal fan. So you look at Montreal. We, we've had 24 Cups in our history. We're the last Canadian team to actually win the Cup. Vincent Tomfus, word up. It is – so people in Montreal – I'm going to use Montreal for the example – expect greatness at all times. They expect every player to leave everything on the ice. They expect everybody to leave their heart and soul. If the player, even he might be, but like certain players, you know, like they're, they're playing hard, but like I find it more so with taller players. It looks like they're not skating as hard because they can take longer strides and cover more ground faster because they're taller. But it doesn't look like they're, they're pushing as hard just because of the fact that they're taller. So it makes a lot of people, fans, think they're not trying hard, which makes then everybody's going like to zoom in on that person. Um, that happened with Pacioretty. So he, Pacioretty was an American. He was very, very disliked in Montreal at first, especially at that time. That's when Quebec was very big and like they need French-Canadian players only in Montreal. But Pacioretty, what he did to make, to make the city actually like him, he went out for three years and took French classes. He learned to speak French. So he could speak to the French media and speak to the fans. And then the city kind of adopted him. So Pacioretty did, he bought, but like 
you need you need to have a certain mindset to play in Canada that I find I think a lot of players don't have because it's not an easy. I don't know how to explain it. It's not an easy um, market to play in by any means because you, you have like so normally like let's say I don't know. Let's say you're uh, Logan Couture. So like your, your standards here and anywhere in the States or most, most markets in the States, you're coming to Montreal or, or any most Canadian teams, your standard is going to be like up here. You're going to be like held to a lot higher standard just because you're playing in Canada. I can understand that. It's the attention to detail shift in and shift out. Right. Which is very hard to sustain as a, even as a professional over the course of an 82 game season plus playoffs. Right. And when you're battling through injuries and the game is so fast, you can't expect to be perfect in the game of hockey. Basically, if if Timo Meyer, he's, he's great for the Sharks, right? He scores a lot of goals. He does everything right. If he did that, if he did that in Toronto, they'd be like, he's not good enough. We need to get rid of him. (laughs) Honestly, they'd be like a chance. He's a great player. They'd be like, he has a little bit of value. Let's see what we can pinch out of it. Yeah, that's a, that's the problem with a lot of Canadian teams. <laughs> Montreal has gotten a lot better because of Bergevin. I know a lot of people like crucify Bergevin the GM, especially the Montreal media. Oh yeah, big Mark Bergevin. But like the big the big thing about Bergevin, what he does, he protects his players. So during the season, his players are not allowed to watch watch any sports media. That's not allowed in Montreal. Um, so the reason for that, he wants to shield them from all the negative negativity. He also tries to like hide most of his internal operations again, to protect his players. So Bergevin is a very good GM. As far as that goes, he like, he almost runs like a Lou Lamborello hybrid type style, the way he runs his team, which I think is a type of GM you need in Canada, or at least in the bigger Canadian markets. Ottawa, I'm excluding Ottawa from this conversation because, like, Ottawa fans don't even <laughs> sell at their arena. <laughs> Sorry, Ottawa, your team's a dumpster fire. So, I mean, no, it's like not. Nah, just like the, the arena, <laughs> the arena's in a very shitty it's, location. It's horrible. It really is. It's yeah. It's like it's not even in the city. It's like in the outskirts, in the middle, of, in the suburbs, for some reason. But it has a question. A, yes. Uh, as a Canadians fan. Historically, how much do you think public opinion has swayed the decision-making of the organization? Because despite being as storied a franchise as you are, you haven't won since 93. And with all this obsessive attention to detail, it has not produced a championship. 93, that's the public opinion. Yeah, is public opinion, does it play any factor in your experience and so all these little details that are irrelevant like yeah. stride length no especially yeah i i, I think it does um my man Bergevin is still you can't do still it. a newer gm so Bergevin has been there for a while but the team's been on upward trend since Bergevin has came in it's been a long five-year plan but coming to the end of it and i think the team actually looks pretty good now um that being said since 93, the one big thing in the league that did change is, was the commissioner came in, <clears throat> Gary Bettman, who no Canadian team has won since Bettman came in. 
Oh, conspiracy theory. Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think Batman doesn't want Canadian teams to win the cup. Wow, somebody's dog completely has an issue with that. Okay. <laughs> I think I, it adds a fun wrinkle to it, to be honest. I, I think, I don't know, I, I don't think he likes Canadian teams winning, but that's just a conspiracy theory. Also, there's a lot more parody in the league nowadays than there was before. Um, on the salary cap also helps other teams that wouldn't normally win, win. But I think, yeah, yes, I think the, the local media does have influence on the team. Uh, it obviously varies from GM to GM. Um, I do think, I don't know, I think there is a high standard, but I think also it's a lot of pressure that a lot of players just can't handle. So, like, I don't know. Phil Kessel is a bad example because he just didn't care. But, like, you almost need that. Like you need some players to come in and just not care and still produce. So that's why Phil Kessel actually did good in Toronto. But, like, on another podcast, they had James, Reams- James Van Reemsdyke on talk about Toronto. He had a really good season. The city loved him. They're building statues for him. The next year, he, you know, he got hurt. He didn't have as good a season. Only put up 25 goals instead of his 40. They demanded they demanded that he get traded and bought out. That's just, that's Toronto. It's the Canadian media is a is a whole different beast. And also the thing is too, if you listen to our previous episode, James Sabalski, he kind of speaks about it too. The big thing is too in Canada, there's no other sports or in a lot of these cities. Like Montreal, yes, there's the MLS, but nobody really watches soccer. No offense, MLS. Oh, the beautiful game. Come on. Or, the, or they have the Canadian Football League, which is football, but like that's played in the summer in Canada. Hockey's number one, two, and three, basically. Yeah, like especially like in Montreal, there's nothing else. Yeah. Montreal, there is nothing else but the Montreal Canadiens. Toronto, they have the Raptors, which took a lot of little bit of pressure off, especially now that they won. You know, there's a bit of buzz about that. They have the Blue Jays, who are also good. There's that too. So Toronto is there is other stuff going on, but there's still Toronto, the Leafs. You know, when you right think after of, the Leafs, it's the Marlies. Yeah, when you think of hockey and well, when you think of Toronto sports, you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like anybody asks, like what's what's Toronto sports teams? Toronto Maple Leafs. That's the first thing you think of. And you don't you don't think the Raptors unless you're like talking to an NBA fan from like Los Angeles or something like that. <laughs> um, okay, or or Winnipeg. Uh, I live in Manitoba. There is nothing in Manitoba. Like it's it's the prairies. It's flat. It's cold. It goes to it goes to fifty below in the winter. It's cold oh, out here. Like that sounds like where nuts those from San Francisco go to to do one of their spiritual awakenings and then go back and build an app. We, we, we just live here. <laughs> you know? That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. When you think of California sports, what do you think of? Uh, when I, I think of California sports, no. I think of the Lakers, the Dodgers, uh, then the Kings, and then the Angels. 
and then and then the ducks wow the complete lack of respect for northern california and then the sharks do you see what you just did there you completely omitted the san francisco 49ers one of the most successful nfl teams of all time but who also, were just relevant I'm, two years ago i'm also the warriors big... who are a recent dynasty the I'm giants not... who've won three championships in the last 10 years in my defense i also don't watch much western sports well it's fine but, but it's because of, because of time. the attention is to southern california here but like that's like just media like, like anytime you turn on like sports or tsn and any other sports going on, it's always the Lakers, 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 Lakers. Mm-hmm. That's For like good almost, reason. They're winners. That's all, They're that's like the Cowboys. Always, yeah. <laughs> but <is>. winning. <laughs> I they're think like the, they're like the Cowboys in that they're a, a fun media. I think the attention. Kings, and then my mind goes right to the racetrack. And um, oh, I can't remember where it is. Sonoma. Yeah. But yeah. That's and, a fun um, one. You got to make it out there. And Auto Club Speedway. That's what I think. But then again, I'm a NASCAR fan, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I don't know, like all, all I can think of like on TSN is like, is the Lakers. Yeah. And like I, I, I even like think of the Clippers. I just, I just remember they existed. There's no. Well, this is a hockey podcast, and you brought on right. me on to talk hockey. So I can tell you <laughs> that uh, just by way of finding your podcast through Instagram, that there is a hockey community in California that is growing and in my opinion, thriving. Which is good. Uh, I like, grew up. We do want to grow the game. We want to grow the game. So it's, it's awesome that it is growing. Yeah. The Sharks uh, belong in San Jose. And the way that San Jose, which the, might still be the 10th largest city in the United States, has embraced the Sharks and made it purely part of the fabric of the city is really fascinating i mean the colors of the city are teal and the sharks have contributed to that um it is the south bay's team through and through whether you're a niners or raiders fan or a warriors fan or a's or giants you're you're a sharks fan if you live in the south bay and it's a significant population and uh even people up in the northern and eastern bay are well lesser so but still sharks fans i'd say they pay attention to what the team is doing or at least will chime in on radio when they lose in the playoffs it's a little bit fair weatherness going on there but what can you do right and like Uh, you don't think of any of the california markets to be traditional hockey markets which is why i think it's really cool really cool to hear you come on as a hockey fan from california because like I, if this was a podcast, if podcasts were a thing 10 years ago, I don't think the following California would have been nearly at what it is now. I don't know if you can agree to me or not with that statement. Mm, I disagree. Even 10 years ago, it was going pretty strong. So my story, I, I was born in 89, and the Sharks came into existence two years afterwards. Uh, it really helped that the team just in its third year of existence took down the red wings and have been on a roll ever since uh it's easy to get behind a winner right especially a underdog that comes through and takes down the david or the goliath sorry (laughs) getting my guys mixed up but uh what the sharks did was they took over the local um the local skating rink 
and turn that into basically the West Coast mecca of youth hockey. And it's gone through several names. It's been the Ice Center, and now Sharks Ice, and now I believe it's like Solar for America Ice because they're new sponsorship. But it went from this rink-a-dink, two-rink, not very fancy facility to now uh, like a five-rink facility that hosts uh, juniors. There were talks about having an NCAA tournament game there, um, you know, like having a Frozen Four of the West out of this facility because there's enough attention in the area uh the adult league has expanded from just a singular league in the late mid 90s to i think there's now like eight different levels of competition with you know six to ten teams each i mean it's full getting ice time there now is now a challenge and plus the area is rich with history for figure skating as well. So ice sports uh, surprisingly are extremely popular and it's expanded as well because there was so much demand in the area and lack of ice time at we'll call it sharks ice. They built additional rinks in Fremont, which is up the road about 30 minutes towards Oakland and then I believe there's also one more rink uh, closer to San Francisco. The, the name's escaping me. But that overall demand for ice time is just really incredible. Um, and that's resulted in having some pretty competitive ACHA teams. I did club hockey. I played at San Diego State for a quick second my senior year when I realized if I never even hit the ice in college that I'd regret it. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, you played against USC and uh, Washington has a club. Arizona State, they're in the NCAA now. Like, that's yeah. bonkers to me. But I love it. And if a school like San Diego State wanted to do that, there's infrastructure in place to be able to turn them into a D1 school. They just have to take it seriously and have enough buy-in and investors, but the pieces are there outside of Title IX restrictions, which are usually what's limiting in, in the States, meaning that uh, in NCAA, you have to have a equivalent number of scholarships for men's and women's sports and being able to come up with the scholarships to tout a men's hockey team usually would come at the expense of another team that's a revenue driver. So it gets complicated, but I mean, interest everywhere. Uh, Sharks games sold out for a really long time. The Kings is playing at Staples. You're going to get people in there when it's a trendy thing to do. The Ducks have a fan base that's pretty ravishing in their little, uh, let's call it an old <laughs> barn. That's the Honda Center. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I've been there for a playoff game. I went to the Winnipeg Anaheim uh, series, I think back in 20, 2014. And it was a blast. There was orange everywhere. Uh, uh, Who's your TSN commentator? Uh, Dan and uh, oh, um, Dan O'Toole Jay, and um, Jay Honore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were sitting like a row over for me, and they were having a blast. And I'm like, all right, well, these are Canadian boys having fun down in Southern California, so why the heck not? You know, I think at that time they weren't actually working for TSN. I think they were working because they 
they left TSN for I think ten years and went to work for ESPN. Yeah, in uh, California. Yeah, because they're they they like do like the the highlights and stuff. They do the highlight show, but they also put like a comedic twist on it. And then yeah, they the went American to market really needs something like that again. I loved NHL tonight with my heart and soul watching Butcher Grass and Melrose come on as a kid right before bed. I wish that mm-hmm. something like that came back with that comedic twist. I think that well, would really help. America ESPN, really took. Hmm? ESPN did just announce they're coming back with their NHL tonight thing. Oh my God. It should be coming back either this season or next season. Yeah. They're, they're working on licensing right now. That's you just amazing. made Anthony's day. The only <laughs> love thing I'm concerned <laughs> about is that Disney is going to be running it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So we'll see. We'll see if they like. That's the concern I have because they might not like show fighting. Oh well, because you know Disney. Yeah, who knows? As long as it's an entertaining product, I'm here for it. NHL in California was, I think, booming the most right before the lockout. That, hmm. yeah, hmm. right yeah. after that 0304 season that ended with. Uh, the lightning winning the cup over Calgary, there was so much traction in the American market with the NHL on ESPN, Thorne and Clement were outstanding announcers. And then you lost that. And then it went on to outdoor life network and nobody knew where to find the channel or even that it was a thing. Uh, You had casual fans. This is just from personal antidote. Uh, casual fans in California going, I don't know anything about hockey anymore. It's not on in front of me. And where they slipped up, the NBA really took over. Yeah. Which which California NHL team do you think has the best following? Oh, that's that's difficult. I think that the passion of the most passionate fans rivals that of any club and i truly mean that um the most diehard and loyal of king's fans that i've had some interesting conversations with they they know their stuff in and out um all i can speak for is as a sharks fan the oof Oh boy, here we go. Well, <laughs> there, there, there are definitely a good deal of Fairweather Sharks fans. And uh, when we first got Carlson, the amount of people around me just chirping him in the stands was, uh, was insane. I mean, he's just a guy. He was playing Canada before, so he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but in San Jose, you're not really used to that. Um, it's more of a, a support thing and a go, go, go rather than a, oh, this guy sucks or why did he do this or that and, and groaning. So long-winded answer to it. That's a hard question, man. Um, I'm not familiar enough with the Kings fan base. I mean, I just moved to Los Angeles this year, but uh, they've got the longest history. So I'd assume that there is more of a legacy in place here it's it's been difficult without being able to go to the amount of king's games as i would have liked to this season i was looking forward to just getting some cheap seats up in the rafters and hanging with the old timers talking about back in the day 
watching Marcel Dion and, and all these guys. Um, that's one of the parts of going to a game that I really love the most. I don't know if you ever just gone up to the last row at TD Garden and listened to whatever those guys <laughs> have to say up there. But I did that a couple of times when I was out in the bean and it was outstanding, just the history and uh, the takes that you hear from these sideline GMs that are just spot on and ruthless, but funny. Uh, it gives you a character for the history of the team. Like you can't get anywhere else. I mean, I, I go to Montreal games. You just get that from the whole crowd. Everybody just yelling random stuff, like in <laughs> French. <I love> it. <laughs> and like the, 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 the thing about Montreal, which I find funny is like the closer you get to like the bowl, the worse it gets like the closer to the ice yeah like people like will pay but also it's the ownership in montreal like they have a certain rules so like they won't sell out to corporate they won't they only sell like x amount of corporates whereas like toronto is the opposite toronto's all suits (laughs) yeah whereas montreal they want actual fans in in the arena because they want that house to be loud that's awesome so that's like when montreal sells out every night but there's something so like they sell out to 22,000 people every night in Montreal. Um, but there's something like I think out of that 22,000, there's they they don't sell. I think there's like 10,000 tickets they won't sell until game day, actual game day. You have to wait till game day to buy it. Holy moly! So you have to actually. If the Sharks wait tried to do that, they wouldn't sell the seats. Yeah, and <laughs> then nuts. a friend of mine, he he has season tickets with his family. But they get season tickets for the for the Canadians. I believe right now it's a ten year wait list to even get to buy season tickets. Yeah, so it's it's a different beast. My job. I think Toronto is. I think Toronto is about fifteen years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's. Ottawa's tomorrow. If you want to go buy some, you can. Yeah. Same with (laughs) Buffalo. Actually, Buffalo is better than Ottawa. Oh yeah, Ottawa's I go to at least eleven Buffalo games a year. It's it's really fun. How, how much is it for one ticket? Like uh, for an average three hundred level ticket in San Jose or whatever? Say. Well, the fun part about the tank and what makes it so loud is we only have two levels. Okay, and so it's like it's, what Yeah, and it's very uh, very vertical. And the fans right on the top are still kind of right on top of you. I've sat in almost every seat along the rim and uh, just to give it a try and be like, well, what is it like from this angle? And, you know, and uh, it's still an outstanding seat, no matter where you are. When the Sharks beat Vegas uh, in that game seven, I was in like the second to last row which is fun because you get to stand up and nobody really cares, you know? Yeah. But it was like, I was still right there on top of the ice and that in the playoffs um, for a first round game, I think that was like, I don't know, 70, 80 bucks. I've that's my favorite time really, to go to a shark. That's game, really cheap. That's really, that's cheap. not bad at all. Huh? I mean, for I a playoff a, game in Winnipeg. Yeah. For a really like for the high, like right in the rim, the top. Mm-hmm. I think I was looking around three hundred dollars for one ticket for a playoff. Yeah, yeah. Regular season game day, like two hundred. Yeah, game day for the highest level and the cheap cheap. I think for season ticket price, it's like thirty five bucks, 
something like that. I was a season ticket holder for a season once, and I think my price came out to like thirty-seven a ticket, and it was for a decent seat, uh, a couple rows up in the second deck. Um, but if you hit the third-party apps like StubHub or TickPick, which is my favorite, sponsor me. Um, <laughs> I've seen I've seen seats uh, on Tuesday nights that I've gobbled up for twelve dollars. Yeah, I I wish. That's I the wish. same in Buffalo. It's a lot I, of fun. Tuesday, yeah, and Thursday night, you just go down, and if you want to splurge a little bit and sit center ice for a fraction of the price, I mean, it, it's totally worth it. I wish you could do that in Canada, but like the teams will sell out, and but they'll sell tickets for like insane amounts of money. Oh yeah, I don't even look at Toronto prices anymore because I know I'm going to be paying upwards of one fifty even for upper bowl. No, more than that. Like, I know, like, I was. Oh, yeah, easy, fun. but yeah. It's... For fun before the pandemic, I was looking. And to go to a Leafs game to sit in the 200, so in the middle, you're looking at, I think it was $1,100. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, the, yeah. Yeah. No, to I mean, sit... for like, I mean, horrible seats, even horrible seats, you're spending. Like 500. Yeah, it's horrid. Well, yeah. I go to, I could go to probably 10 Buffalo games for that price. I go to Montreal, one Leafs game. Yeah, Montreal still has better price than the Toronto games, but also because they want to have a louder arena. So they make yeah, it but, affordable. They make it affordable for working class to go to the games. Yeah, unless they're playing Boston and the score is 4-0, then it's just really boring. <laughs> My anyway. only experience in Montreal, and it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> um, you did want to talk a bit about this. You wanted to explain to us why the Sharks aren't actually a choking team. Sure. I, uh, I, I know like the big media, everybody in the media always says, when you look at San Jose, they, they choke. So why is it that they're not a choking team? We'll finish it up with uh, you explaining this, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. As to why, I mean, why they don't choke. My first uh, instinct when someone tells me that the Sharks are perennial chokers is to ask them, well, well why do you say that? And they say, well, because they lost. They say, okay, do you understand how hard it is to win a cup in hockey? Yeah. Between the bounces, the goaltending, and my the team's help. done it 24 times. Yeah, but that, do you, don't listen to him. It's uh, <laughs> hockey's a challenging one to win. I mean, look how some of these teams have won the cup. Uh, how Kane won for the Hawks that one year where it just kind of skirts in, Brett Hull's kick and goal. I know these are just small things, and there's a whole game before that. But when things tighten up in the playoffs, these little bounces do matter. But or, if you look at the composition of the Sharks, I think the big thing of what it comes down to, I'll just save all the other details, is they need to get a little bit tougher. They run into problems where they get ragdolled a bit, they get hit in the mouth and they do not respond well in kind to teams that play with a little bit more of a dirty edge. So would you say almost they need to get tougher in times of adversity? It's not toughness mentally, but this, this, this might rub you the wrong way, but I think that they're, they like to play the game the right way. <laughs> in, a, in a clean fashion not in a soft way by any means but st louis 
when the Sharks play against a team that likes to throw the elbows high, the Sharks lose. So, in other words, Hermelier, they play like an Eastern team. Because um, Western teams I, tra- traditionally do play a lot more gritty and dirty, at, for lack of a better at, word. At times, I'd say. Um, but if we want to go year by year through their history, I can tell you an exact reason why they lost any particular playoff series. And the Sharks are really, I think, one of the most successful franchises in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you cocking your head over to the side, but they are. Okay, so oh. they've been around for 28 years. They've okay. missed the playoffs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Seven times out of 28 years. They've made it to the conference finals five times, dating all the way back. So since the 03-04 season, made the conference finals five times. That's pretty great. They've been to a cup uh, without Thomas Hurdle getting injured. Perhaps they beat Pittsburgh because I believe he was the most dynamic player in that series next to Sidney Crosby, who was playing out of his mind. It was very I mean, impressive. It was Chris Crosby just being Crosby, but yeah, but it was it was pinnacle Crosby. I think very I mean, impressive. Uh, also, but Hurdle like, was a beast in front of the net that nobody was moving. Um, <laughs> but this is a team that consistently people want to fire Doug Wilson. If you go back to 0304 and since then, what have they done? Conference finals, lost to Calgary in six against the extremely hot Mika Kippersoff, which was ironic because they traded him that year. Following year, lost to Edmonton in six after Rafi Torres took off uh, Milan Mahalik's head, and that just changed the series, and Edmonton won, I think, the next two or three games, and, and that was it. That was in the semifinals. Next year, they beat Nashville in five. They lose to Detroit, a very good 06-07 Detroit team, in six games, pushing the series, right? Next year, uh, they lose to Dallas in like quadruple overtime in the sixth game of the semifinals. Hard-fought series. Um, Pretty good Dallas team, if you ask me. The one year that people will point to, and people like to hang on to these singular events, they lost to Anaheim in six games in 08-09. And Isn't that was one where people were like, uh, I do not remember the goaltender. I don't think it was Jaguar. No, that? that was Hiller. That was Hiller's year. That was the year yes. Hiller took over. Hiller was a monster. The Sharks had such an awesome season. They might have won the Presidents that year. They came close to it, or Western Conference oh. champ. Uh, either way, the Sharks were on fire that year. And uh, they lost in six to Anaheim and Thornton – Drop the gloves with Getzloff at the opening faceoff. Uh, we just got beat. We just got beat straight up. So that year, yeah, people would be like, yeah, Sharks choked. Okay, fine. Next year, what do they do? They respond by going to the conference finals. They beat Colorado in six, Detroit in five, and then they get swept by Chicago, who in hindsight is a pretty badass team. Should the Sharks mm-hmm. have won more games? Yeah. But I think that series also, should have gone longer, uh, especially I mean, with the talent when you have Marlowe, Thornton, and Heatley as your top line. That's pretty sick. That's a line that was the first line for Team Canada. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the excuse there for losing? I don't really have one. I don't really know what went wrong that series. I mean, 
The Canes, the Canes, I mean, not the Canes, the Hawks were a good team that year. They were, but to get swept, um, some of the games were close, some of them not so much. I, I don't know. Chicago was good. I think the Sharks, that was a bit of a letdown, but it was a good Chicago powerhouse team. Following year, they're like, man, we got to get that back. So what do they do? They respond by going back to the conference finals and they run into uh, Vancouver who featured Luongo, who was a monster that year. And Vancouver was a tough, nasty team that ragdolled the Sharks and they had lack of depth. At that time, Joe Pavelski was a third line center or winger. And uh, I remember him being put on his butt more times than not. The difference in the size in that series and, and the depth on the third and fourth lines were why the Sharks did not win straight up and Luongo was pretty much a monster I was so, so frustrated when that series was over I had one of those uh pillow top mattresses and I remember I was so excited when I got this thing but it came in handy because I just dove on my bed after that series because the final game was on the road and I screamed into it for a solid about two minutes <laughs> until I passed out because I was so frustrated <laughs> that Kevin Bieksa goal haunted me <laughs> Uh, I'm getting, a lot of Kevin Bieksa goals that haunt me. It's okay. What I'm getting from this is they're lacking one key piece that could put them over the hump. Um, no, or they I don't were think they, so. they have been. Like I, uh, I'm sometimes not, I mean, like guess, a, sometimes it's hot goaltending. I don't I don't mean like a star, a star player. I think you need that like one leadership element that can also. Yes, yes, they had to have Thornton, mm. who is a leader. I don't, I don't put it on leadership. It's been lack of depth or goaltending or injuries. Um, there's only really one time where I point at coaching two times in the last 20 years where I point at coaching. And that would have been the 0304 year where they lost to Calgary. Uh, that Calgary team was one, if you remember, extremely defensive minded. They were sound and they just capitalized on their opportunities. The Sharks wanted to play this dump and chase game, but they just couldn't get to the backboards quick enough. And uh, I can't remember if it was Ron Wilson was the coach at the time. He just refused to switch up from it. So it was like banging your head against a brick wall, expecting to make traction and they lost. And that was a really good team. I think they had Timu Solani on that team still. I can't remember, but uh, that was one where it was like, man, we should have had the cup that year. Right. LA with the reverse sweep. That's the one where you might say, well, whoa, how do you explain that? Uh, Vlasic, when he got injured, the depth on the back end completely fell out. Defensive pairings are so key. And, uh, when, when those things get shifted with, it, it hurts. The Sharks had that problem again uh, when they lost to St. Louis. Um, they had it all set. Finally, there was like, you had the pairings right, where the proper combination of having the defensive partner and Shimmick, who was responsible for Burns to, to tame him. You had Carlson with Vlasic, I believe. Or, or Braun, I can't remember. Gosh, all these years are blending together now. But they had everything right. And then you, know, you lose one guy and everything just messes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vegas, when they ran into them, what, three years ago, Vegas was a buzzsaw. Yeah. And last year with St. Louis, uh, they got smacked in the mouth 
uh, with a bunch of high elbows and got some people knocked out and uh, they lost because they didn't take any cheap shots back. I think you get more leeway to run some elbows and to run some questionable hits um, in the postseason, but the Sharks have never really been the team to kind of go there. And that's not to be like, oh, well, my team is a bunch of perfect angels who don't do anything wrong. I'm sure they've had all their things where people are like, ah, oh, sharks are dirty too. But I just don't see uh, on a consistent basis that that nastiness edge come through. And usually the sharks are most successful when they are dominating on the boards and playing a bit of a tougher game and bringing yeah. that element in their way. I, I, I can see that. And thank you again for coming on and breaking down the Sharks and explaining to why they're not a, a choking team. <laughs> they're not. They've run into hot goaltending, good teams, and they've gone deep in many postseasons. Put it this way. The Sharks have been an elite eight, if you want to use a NCAA basketball term. They've been an elite eight team. Uh Okay. Half of half of the years of their existence, they finished in the top quarter of the league, which which is an impressive feat. I yeah. I, I do hope they do eventually get over the hump. I hope I hope they get over the hump. I do think San Jose is going to win a cup before Toronto ever does. Oh, that's just because I don't like the Leafs, so <laughs> I'll cheer for the Sharks before I cheer for the Leafs. Mm, uh, I disagree. Oh, that's a, that's a hard one for talent. me. Hmm. I think the Leafs are closer. You have amazing talent up front. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think Leafs are closer. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they have the defense to go far in the playoffs. I dislike you, both teams. So if you sorry. if you want if you want to talk about a team that, that chokes in the playoffs, we can look at the Leafs all day long. Yeah, just let a Boston I mean, fan tell you. They haven't made it past the first round in how long? <laughs> I mean. Uh, if you look at even last year like that with the that weird COVID cup thing, um, the Leafs could even make it past the the playing round, the, the best of five series. Yeah, they got kicked out of their own city. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to talk about teams that choke in the playoffs, we can look at Toronto. They had that haven't won a first round. And before that, haven't made the playoffs since the, since the original lockout in 2003. When I hear the word choke, I think of a significant drop-off in production by key players without any consideration for outside factors. Toronto. Okay. So <laughs> so that would be your choke team then. I don't see that with the Sharks because I don't see individuals taking a significant break. I um, think that, and, and I afterwards, think, when you see the injury report, it's like, man, Couture really didn't perform that uh, series. Why? Oh, he had a broken hand. And, I think the big reason why why the Sharks are the choke team to a lot of media, I think that has a lot to do with Toronto media trying to take the little bit of blame off Toronto and attacking somebody Ooh. else. Well, I also think that could be fans' expectations because the fans are always like, okay, this year's our year. This year's our year. This year's our year. That, that, and, that's also true. And it just, it goes for like maybe 10 years and you're like, okay, you guys need to really calm down. It's not going to be your year anymore. That's what I've experienced with Sharks fans. This year's our year. This year's our year. This year's our year. 
they've had good uh, reason to believe that for some time. Oh yeah, I mean, they have. I mean, like I said, you had that line of Marlowe, Heatley, and Thornton. That's insane. It's bonkers. And they've gone deep into the playoffs year after year after year after year. Outside, they missed the playoffs in uh, like five years ago and then last year. But outside that, they hadn't missed the playoffs in like 17 years. And they've been consistently going at least to the second round. Also, I have a question about San Jose. What's it with them picking up all of Ottawa's (laughs) ex-superstars? Did we get Mike Hoffman yet? Well, you got him with the crossing trade for a hot minute. Yeah, I think we had him for about forty-five seconds, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my friends. So we have this uh, the supporters club out in San Jose called Teal City Crew that uh, a buddy of mine Curtis started, and you know they have the banners that they hang on the wall on the top deck, and so uh, <laughs> it was really funny when Hoffman returned. Uh, for his first game in San Jose since being a member of the Sharks for approximately 45 seconds. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea Crew made a, uh, a banner of his jersey. Oh, yeah, on the I wall. saw that. You saw that? Yeah, and it was yeah. like 10 feet tall. Well, afterwards, uh, <laughs> Hoffman saw this and invited Curtis down and signed it. And now Hoffman has that banner, I think, in his, in his gym. And uh, I just think that's hilarious. I I think Um, it's funny, too. They traded them to San Jose in that trade because the reason Carlson wanted out of Ottawa was because Hoffman's wife and Carlson's wife were arguing. So, like, okay, let's trade the two of them together (laughs) to the same team. Yeah. Which didn't make any sense. Do the old flip-flop. We had a little bit of cap space at that time. San Um, Jose did 35 seconds of um, research and then traded him in 10 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> you're like oh whoops <laughs> hey florida can we have a fifth um if you want to talk sharks i got more info on their future prospects awesome well we've been recording for about like an hour and 20 minutes now so holy moly oh uh, <laughs> all right we'll see i will have to day. cut it yeah we'll see <laughs> for another day we'll, we'll have to get you on again to talk more sharks uh maybe for sure maybe if you uh, want to talk about who real quick the person that's going to be most exciting to watch for them this season eric crossing mm, nope no kevin no. Think, it is. think think a depth player mid-level kevin lebank and, and if he brings it he's going to be burns's defensive partner and it's going to be the difference between them losing and winning a lot of games because burns as much as he's won games, he's also been accountable for some goals that have been uh, important on the old, uh, the old defense, game wins lost thing. Yep. He missed the whole last year with an ACL. Last year? Nope, Shimmick. Dean oh. Shimmick. When yeah. he went down, the Sharks unraveled. Oh, and it was bad too. He does not skate particularly well but he has a good hockey sense and he's brings that toughness that you look for that makes people question whether they want to take it wide or not on the wall and when he's playing at his best stabling burns the whole thing just kind of falls into place 
So there's your guy that you may not know about. Also, if you want a fun guy, though, Mario Ferraro. Yeah. Got a motor. Yeah. He bangs. He bangs, man. I love him. So there's an up and cover, but he's only 22. He's got a long way to go. But uh, look out for Shimmick. And if he's playing yeah. particularly well and is able to keep that defense where uh, Bugner wants it, they're going to be better than not. Hey, check hockey rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm all about Team Canada. There you go. All right. You have a great day, and thank you again for coming on. We appreciate this. And uh, to all our listeners, we love you all very much. And again, check us out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the above. We got it all. And DM us if you want to come on the show and talk about your favorite team. Because we love hockey rules. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, and have a good week.